Second Chronicles chapter 23 and verse 19. You know, as, as you're turning there, as I prepare to um, open up this word, my, my background is that I spent um, 13 years um, in the military as a uh, combat uh, paramedic in the military. So God has given us, um, my wife and I, a unique way of ministering the word from a military perspective. So we have um, um, actually 14 books that God has blessed us to write, and, and to God be the glory, we've sold over a million copies. And um, so we are grateful for that. So uh, avail yourself to some of those in the, in the uh, foyer after the service. So most of the messages, including this one, will be with a military mindset. Amen. So Second Chronicles chapter 23, verse 19, it says, And he set porters, someone say porters. And he set the porters at the gates of the house of the Lord, that none which was unclean in anything should enter in. And I need you to understand the concept of this message is to talk about what porters are and what our responsibility are as porters. Now look at someone next to you and tell them, if you didn't know it, you know it now that you're a porter. Amen. A porter is a type of security guard, is a, car, is a type of a gatekeeper or a guardsman or a guard, guard person that's going to guard something because in the Old Testament they had the, the temple and they had many gates around uh, the temple. Around the city they may have had 12 gates and then even with the temple itself they had many, many gates around the temple and every one of those gates were, were guarded by a porter. And I want to give you several steps to understand our duties and our responsibilities as porters because Pastor Minister last Sunday uh, uh, in terms of this service about, about being a pastor. And I think I, I know for a fact that we have a great pastor. And I thought since he had ministered so, so uh, diligently uh, to us uh, the duties of a pastor, in which he is a great one, I felt that we need to, th this would be an opportunity to give the flip side and help us to understand our duties as uh, members of the church in terms of porters. Amen. Once again, someone say, I'm a porter. Okay, the first job of a porter, number one, is the job of a porter is to keep out unclean things. It says here, and again, uh, uh, verse 19, he said, Porters at the gates of the house of the Lord, that none which was unclean. You got to understand that as a porter, your job is not just to come to church and visit church. You got a job as a porter. You are a security guard. You are a watchman, and one of your jobs is to keep some unclean things out of our church. My, my. See, you got to realize that the devil is trying to get in your business. The devil wants to get in your family. The devil wants to get in your home. The devil wants to get, if he can get anywhere, the devil wants to get in your church. Amen. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, so on and so forth. All these evil things 
are coming against us so that we would not have a successful church. So your job as a porter, number one, is to keep out unclean things. Are you with me so far? Amen. The second job for us as a porter is to watch your post. Amen. Somebody say, my job as a porter is to watch my post. Now, now listen, I need you to understand this about a porter. Now, uh, you have to understand that God is a God of covenant. And God does everything by covenant, and he does nothing without covenant. Are you with me so far? You know, we live in a time where people want to do everything without covenant. We want to, instead of marrying, we want to just live together because that's the easy thing to do. And we wonder why God don't bless it. It's because God only deals with covenant. That's why they call it a marriage covenant. And you got to understand that when you uh, 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 join a church, first of all, let, let, let me backtrack and say this. As a porter, when you become born again, you make a covenant with God that you are in covenant with God. Come on, somebody say, I'm in covenant with God. That just happens when you get born again. You make a covenant with God, and you become one in covenant with God. And um, now the next step is, is when you join a church. Now, we talked about the pastor before. Now we want to talk about our responsibilities as members. When you join a church, what you are doing is indirectly making a covenant to be with God to be a porter in your church. Oh, my, 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 my God. See, we thought we were just joining the church and having a good, happy time and coming and joining, hearing pastor preach. No, when you join church, you are making a covenant with God. A threefold cord is not easily broken. You are making a covenant with God that, God, you have called me to be a security guard for God, but you've also called me to be a security guard in terms of my church because here's what you got to understand is whatever you are connected to you are assigned to guard it come on touch somebody next to you and tell them that whatever you're connected to you are assigned by God to guard it so here's what happened is when I get saved and born again I become, I come in covenant with God, but then when I join the church now, I join a solid rock, I become a member of the church, at the minimum, I become a porter with the responsibility now is to stand at the gates and guard my church. Are you with me so far? And so what it is, is as a guardsman, God is looking for me as a as a porter, that before I leave church, before I leave home, that is, coming to church, as a security guard, my job is to pray for the church. My job is to pray for the service, is to pray for the praise and worship team, is to pray for the preacher who's preaching the word. My job is to pray so that when the word comes forth, everything will flow under the anointing. Are you with me so far? Somebody say, well, I thought I was just coming to church to have a good old, have a good old happy time. No, 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 no. You are assigned as a porter to the gates. 
Now, let's take a step further than that. Whenever you join an auxiliary, you are also connected to that auxiliary, and now you have a job not only to help guard the church, not only to help guard the pastor, you got a job now to help guard your auxiliary. Are you with me so far? See, listen, a lot of times we are in an auxiliary, whether it's a greeter or the parking lot or whatever the auxiliary may be, and we allow and hear of a whole lot of mess that goes on in the church. Now, now, now don't act like you don't hear no mess in the church now. You, you're going to hear some mess now. But your job and my job as porters, first of all, I understand now that I'm not just to come to church to be entertained. I am coming to church. Why? Because God has called me to guard the gates. Come on, touch somebody one more time and tell them, God has called you to guard the gates. He set porters at the gates of the house of the Lord because the temple was just a symbol of the local church. And every gate was guarded, and God is saying now, you are a porter, and you're called to guard the gates. I'm called to guard my church, so I don't just wait till I get to church. No, I'm praying before I leave church in the morning. I'm sorry, before I leave my home, that God is going to bless the service. Oh, I'm believing, God, that people are going to get saved and born again. Glory to God. I'm believing that people, I'm, I'm believe. I'm praying for the people, our prayer warriors down front, that they will be under the anointing that when they pray for people and lay their hands on them, miracles, signs, and wonders will take place. Why? Because I am a porter. My job is to help guard. My job is to help watch out. You are a member of the church, but you're not just a bystander. You, are, you have a job to do. Oh, my, 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 my God. We got a job to do, praise the Lord. And let me just say this, it's not just the pastor's job. Because everybody likes to blame the pastor. Anytime something go wrong, whether it's an auxiliary, whether it's the, the floor of the church or something happened in the church, we like to blame the pastor. But what you got to understand is the pastor is overall responsible, but the responsibility that God is looking for, the blame goes to the porter. If something is, listen, if something is not right in the church, if there's a church that's having a church split, if the church is falling apart, we want to look at the pastor and say it was the pastor's fault. No, but God is looking at the porters, and he's pointing at the porters and saying, no, it's your fault. Why? Because you were the one that was set at the gates of the house of the Lord to pray and keep stuff out of the church, keep stuff from hindering the church. And if the failure takes place, it's not the pastor, it's the porters. Oh, somebody say praise the Lord with me if you would. Amen. The third, amen, I'm with you, Tamara. Ouch, too. I say that, too. Amen. The third job of a porter, if I can go that far, is to say uh, the, the third job of a porter is to stand as a forward lookout. Third job of a porter is to stand as a forward lookout because if you understand anything about military conquest, what they do is when the military, before they begin to move forward, they always send a forward unit. And what the forward unit is for is 
to, in case there is something that's happening, in case there's a sign of enemy aggression or enemy uh, attack, the forward lookout, their job is to call back to headquarters and let them know that there's some enemy movement in here ahead and we need to be prepared for, for some combat. Are you with me so far? So, Listen, if we understand how the church operates then, then we understand that the pastor is overall responsible for everything in the church, but the pastor can't watch every gate. Are you with me so far? The pastor can't be in every auxiliary. The pastor can't be everywhere at one time. So what the pastor looks for is people that are going to do their job as a porter and serve as a forward lookout and keep their eyes open for things that they need to attend to. Are you with me so far? If it's a military unit, the forward lookout, amen, their job is to keep an eye on if I see any enemy movement, my job is to report back to headquarters. You got two types of headquarters. My headquarters, number one, is my Father in heaven who I'm praying to, amen. Wherever I'm at, if, if I'm a greeter, if I'm an usher, whatever I'm at, if there's something that's going on in there that's not right, quit gossiping about it and report back to headquarters. Oh, my, 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 my God. See, we like to talk about a whole lot of mess. We, we can't wait till we get two or three people in the corner and talk about how bad things are in our auxiliary. No, no, no. Your job as a forward lookout is report to headquarters. That means you get on your knees. How do I guard? I get on my knees and I pray. And I, be, I begin to commit these things to God. And God begins to deal with those things because he's the headquarters. Are you with me so far? Now, the second part of my headquarters is not only my, my spiritual headquarters, you got to understand that there are some things that you need to report to higher echelon. Are you with me so far? There are some things you need to pass on to the pastor. There are some things you need to pass on to your auxiliary leader or whoever it is. Amen. But my point is, your job is to, is to serve as a forward lookout, and that is to be observant. Somebody say, we got to be observant. When you start hearing mess going on, when you start hearing people gossip, when you start hearing trouble, that's not the time for you to sit back and join with that mess. That's the time for you to get on your post. Come on, tap somebody and say, we got to get on our post. Come on, tap somebody on the other side and say, we've got to get on our post. My post, my, my, my post of observation is, is what I like to call it. I remember, amen, about, um, about 10 years ago, my wife and I, we went, on a, we went on a cruise, and we used to love cruising, and I uh, believe in God to go on another one one day, amen, but we, we love cruising, praise the Lord, and so um, while, we're on this, while we're on this one particular cruise, you know, as most of you know that have cruised before, you can take a break and go down to your room and watch uh, movies on the television. So my wife and I, we were hugged up in bed, loving on each other, watching the movie. Um, and what we flipped the channel to, out of all the things they could put on a cruise ship, they had the movie Titanic playing. I said, somebody wasn't thinking when they chose this election. 
and Titanic showing on a cruise ship. And because I had seen the movie before, we sit there and watched a, a portion of it. And we got to the point to right before the Titanic sank. Uh, uh, if, if you've seen the movie before, you've got uh, what they had was they had many icebergs in the northern sea. And so they had to have a high lookout point. And they had these guys that was up in a high lookout point with binoculars. And what their job was to do was to look out for icebergs. Are you with me so far? But instead of looking out for the iceberg, there was, as they looked down, there was this man and woman, the stars of the movie. They were kind of necking and making out down there. And as they were doing their thing down there, the lookouts, the lookouts, instead of them looking out, looking for icebergs the way they should have, they're looking down at the people that's making out. And by the time they decided to go back and do their job and look out for the iceberg, by that time the iceberg was upon them. And then they whistled down to try to get the ship to turn, but it was too late. They turned too late, and the, and the iceberg clipped the ship, and that's what caused the ship to sink. Are you with me? Now, many people who, who don't understand a porter, they would look at that story and say, well, it was the captain's job. It was the captain's responsibility of why the ship sank. No, it was the captain's, the, 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 the captain's job overall, but ultimately, it was the forward lookout responsibility of why that ship sank. What am I trying to say? Many ministries are sinking because the forward lookout is doing other things other than watching out for the icebergs. Come on, look at somebody and say, watch out for the icebergs in your auxiliary. The danger points. You got to watch out for the iceberg. My job is not just to come sit here and, and enjoy the service. Whatever I'm in, I got to watch out for signs of enemy movement in my church. I got to watch out for signs of enemy movement in my auxiliary. I got to watch out for signs of enemy movement wherever I am. See, whatever I'm connected to. I'm responsible to, listen, not to the pastor. I'm responsible to God. Well, if I don't do this, the pastor is going to say something to me. Forget the pastor. I'm responsible to God. Are, are you with me so far? Oh, come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. The fourth job of, the, of a porter is to keep a lookout for yourself. The fourth job of a porter is to keep lookout for yourself. Because, see, if, you know, it's easy because many of us can watch and see problems in somebody else's life. We can see problems in this person or that person and what they're doing wrong. But the problem is, is we fail to see the real enemy. Because here's the thing. Before you can, let me say it this way from a military standpoint. In the military, before you go on guard duty you had to have an inspection by the captain of the guard. Anybody here been in the military before? 
Amen. So you understand my, my, what I'm saying. Bef- before you were to go on guard duty, you had to have an inspection by the captain of the guard. And the captain of the guard would make sure that you had all your equipment. They would make sure that you had your weapon and, and it was operational. And they would do an inspection on you before you would go out to guard duty. What am I trying to say? Listen, before you can guard the gate, you got to guard your heart. Oh, my, 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 my. See, as a porter, before I can effectively do my job in coming to church and guarding the house of God and guarding my auxiliary and guarding the things that I'm connected to, the first place I got to be able to watch out and guard is the enemy. Where, where is the enemy? He's in me. Oh, my, 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 my. I'll say it again, Pastor. The real enemy starts off in me. You gotta, you gotta watch yourself. Now I love to have people to, to talk to the neighbor, tell them you better watch yourself. You gotta watch yourself. Because see, if you don't check yourself out, see, listen, the enemy will ease up in your soul and you'll find yourself backsliding in the church. The worst kind of backslider there is, is the backslider who's in the house of God every Sunday. They're hearing the word of God, and they're backsliding right in the house of God. And the reason why they backslide, because, see, once you backslide, you go blinded to the spiritual things, and you're not able to see in the spirit realm. Are you with me so far? So the first thing I got to do is keep my heart right with God. Keep my eyes open so that I can see. And the way that I keep my eyes open is by asking God to help me to guard my heart. Are you with me so far? See, I I like to say it this way. Before Before you go to bed every night, you ought to check yourself out with the Holy Ghost. I, I, I'll, give, I'll give my point with this example. I remember um, I used to have a, a Saturday tradition of my Saturday tradition was going to McDonald's, and I had the same thing I would order. I would order uh, uh, the filet fish special. filet fish special comes with a filet fish sandwich. It comes with French fries and whatever kind of soda or tea that you want it. So one, one Saturday, I had my mouth tuned up for that filet of fish sandwich. sandwich. When it's, it's nothing like a McDonald's filet of fish sandwich when it's hot. Some of you been there, huh? I got somebody that's high-fiving me, praise the Lord. So, so I got my mind tuned up for this hot filet of fish sandwich. And I go to the window, and I pay for it. And I go to the second window, and the lady hands me the filet of fish sandwich. But she, don't give me, she didn't give me the fries. And so I asked the lady, I said, well, ma'am, what happened to my fries? She said, I'm sorry to tell you, sir, but we're out of French fries. <laughs> I said, ma'am, how in the world does McDonald's run out of French fries? They make most of their money off fries and soda. So I asked her, I said, ma'am, how in the world does McDonald's run out of French fries? You know what she told me? She said the reason why we ran out of french fries is because the night managers failed to do their job in inventory improperly. 
What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say if you don't inventory your soul, if you don't check your soul out with God, you got to ask the Holy Ghost, God, how is my prayer life? God, how is my church attendance? God, how is my giving? As David said it this way, he says, search me, O God, and see if there's a wicked way in me. And when you ask God to search you like that, God is going to show you if you got some mess in your life. Are you with me so far? Come on, look at somebody once again. Tell them God wants you to search out for your mess. Amen, amen. We are not just here to be spectators. So before you can serve as a porter, you got to make sure that you are able to uh, watch out for yourself. Are you with me so far? Now, let, let me say this. Dealing with the house of God, there are basically two types of people in the house of God. Somebody say two types of people. There are basically two types of people in the house of God, and those are you have servants and you have householders. You have servants and what the Bible calls householders. Look with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 52. I want you to see it in Scripture. Two types of people in the house of God. We want to find out what kind of person that we really are. Two types of people in the house of God. And it says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 52, it says, Then said unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed, someone say instructed. So it says, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, is like unto a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Now, what God wants to do is bring us to a place in understanding responsibility and maturity of being not just a servant in terms of members. He wants to bring us to a place of being a householder. Because what's a servant? I'll tell you some things about a servant. A servant is usually someone that's new in the body of Christ. They don't know much about the Bible. They don't know anything about a uh, 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 fellowship with God. They don't know any, you know, they are born again because they gave Christ their life, but in terms of maturity, they are, a, they, they are just a person that don't know anything about the kingdom of God. They don't understand covenant, and usually a, a servant is selfish in their thoughts, actions, and deeds. Because when the pastor is, is asking, you know, we need people to do this, we need people to do that, you know, the, the servant is wanting to know, well, well, what's in it for me? You know, if there's nothing in it for me, then, you know, call me when we have the church picnic when we got some food there. That's the way, that's the way a servant thinks. But God is calling people to be householders. Someone say, I, I'm a householder. Now, you got the same two types of people in business. In business, you got what you call managers, and you got the, the equivalent of what is basically hourly uh, employees. 
and some of the worst service that you can possibly get, you can get from people who don't care anything about that business. You, you ever went to a place and they act like they're doing you a favor to take your money? You almost have to be too nice to them just to get your sandwich. You, you know, they, they act like they're doing you a favor. And they're quick to tell you if you don't like it here, you go somewhere else. Why? Because they don't understand the mindset of a manager. That's why when you have trouble in a business, you call, amen, you call the manager. Because the manager has a different mindset. Are you with me so far? Now, in the house of God, you got servants and you got householders. See, the servant in, in church, all they care about is coming to church and having a good time. Are you with me so far? They don't care about people. Again, they don't care about people getting saved and born again. They don't care about the church growing. They don't check, care about us winning the loss to Christ. Their mindset is if something happens to the church and the church don't grow, I'll go to the church down the street. I'll go, I'll go somewhere else. But see, the householder understands that when I joined the church, I made a covenant with God, and I made a covenant with this church and the pastor. I'm not going to the church down the street. I'm not. And, and the thing that I, I tell you, the thing that always bothered me about people who what I call church hop. The thing that bothered me about church hoppers is they when they join a church, they'll say, "Well, the Lord led me to this church." But then somewhere along the line, they become offended because somebody didn't do everything they said do. And then they sky up and leave. And, 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 and you say God led you to the church, but then what led you away from the church? If God led you to the church, then you all the way to God, give you a word to leave the church. Oh, my, my, my God. It's tight, but it's right. Yeah, it's tight, but it's right. Amen. And I tell you what you can tell. See, listen, a householder, if, if a householder goes to the bathroom and you're out of toilet paper, the householder is going to let somebody know we need some toilet paper. See, a servant will throw you a piece of newspaper in there. If there's some trash on the, on the grounds, a servant will look at it and step right over it because they say that's somebody else's responsibility. But see, a householder takes it personal and they will pick up the piece of paper and put it in their purse or put it in the trash. Why? Because, see, listen, a householder knows how to take it personal. Oh, my, my. Come on, somebody say a householder takes it personal. Because, see, you can tell many times a householder from a servant simply by the way they speak. Because to some people, Solid Rock is the church that I attend. That's a servant. But to a householder, Solid Rock is what? My church. To some people... Uh, 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 pastor Raglan is the pastor of the church that I go to. But to a householder, Pastor Raglan is what? My pastor. Come on, somebody say, Pastor Raglan is my pastor. 
What am I trying to say? Householders care about it. They take it personal because they realize when I joined the church, I made a commitment with God, and I made a covenant with the church, and it's not just this fun place I go to. I have a responsibility because it's my church. Oh, come on, somebody say once again, it's my church. My, my, my. I tell you, you can tell again how a person feels about it by how they describe the church or how they describe what, what's going on. And see, at, but here's what happens. Because God says in his word he called them servants. But there comes a time when God stopped calling you servants, and he calls you householders, and he also calls you sons. Are you with me so far? Somebody say, well, I thought I'm a servant. See, God don't look for servants. He looked for sons who serve. A, a good example of that is the story of the, uh, the prodigal son. And you know the story. At first, he was, he was real loose with the father's money as he left. And, and he wasted all the father's money on his type of living and all the things that he thought was good. And he's wasting all the father's money. Then all of a sudden, something starts happening to him on the inside. See, sometimes when we pray for people, you got to stop praying those cute prayers about, Lord, don't let nothing happen to them and keep them safe. No, sometimes you got to say, sick them, Holy Ghost. Sometimes you got to pray, God, whatever it takes to get their attention. God, keep their life, but God, whatever you got to do. Do it. Oh, come on, somebody. God knows how to get your number. God knows how to get your attention. Some of your lost loved ones that you've been praying those cute prayers for, forget it and start saying, God, whatever you got to do to get to them, do it, God. And as you begin to pray like that, what happened to the prodigal son, he lost everything. He found himself eating out the hog's pen. He found himself, but then he starts to mature. And he starts to come to a place where he begins to get serious with his thinking and, and starts to uh, mature and start to care about the father's house. And, in, and so what, what he does is say, he says, you know, I had it better in my father's house. I'm going to go back to my father's house. And he begins, you know the story, he begins to rehearse to himself, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. And he rehearses this over and over and over again in his heart. He knows it by heart. And all the time, the father was praying that he would begin to mature like us as parents. We're praying for our children to mature. We're, Pastor, we're praying for members to begin to mature, that you're not just coming, warming up a seat. You're coming having a part. You're coming being responsible. You're coming understanding that I'm no longer a, a, a servant. I'm a household now then so he comes upon the father he says I've been rehearsing this for a long time let, let, let me do this the way I ought to with the way I rehearsed it and he approaches the father and he said father he said I got something to say to you he said I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you 
and I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. He, but before he could say, make me one of thy highest servants, the father interrupted him. Why? Because the father don't have servants in the kingdom. The father have sons that willfully serve. Oh, come on, somebody say, I'm a son. Come on, tell somebody else, I'm a son. See, when you understand about being a, 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 a porter, then you understand. Let me say this. We live in a time where, where, where people don't want to join churches anymore. And I hear people all the time, you know, and, and they talk about my TV pastor. My TV pastor is uh, uh, Andrew Womack. My, my TV pastor is Joyce Myers or Creflo Dollar. They're my TV pastors. And that's what people are doing. They watch, they watch TV, and, and, and that's their church. But God didn't ordain it so that you can have a TV pastor because pastor said to us last Sunday, you know, having all those people are great, but if you have to go to the hospital, they're not coming to visit you in your hospital room. Come on, somebody. Pastor said that, you know, if you're in the hospital on the fifth floor in room 285, they're not coming to room 285 to visit with you. You need a pastor. Come on, tap two or three people and tell them you need a pastor. Come on, you tap one, tap two more and tell them you need a pastor. And, and let me just throw this in here, pastor, if I may. People always talk about you give your tithes where you're being fed. That's not true. Because you can be fed by a host of different people. You can be fed on television by your TV pastor. You can be fed by the CDs and all the things that you get. No, you don't give your tithes where you're being fed. You give your tithes where you're being covered. My, my, I can stop right there. You give your tithes where you be. You give your tithes where, you, where somebody is covering you in prayer. You give your tithe with somebody is interceding for you. You give your tithe with somebody is on the lookout for your soul. You give your tithe where you can come to and tell somebody what you're going through, and they're going to go to the heavens on your behalf. That's where you give your tithes. Are you with me so far? My, 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 my. See, it's, it's two reasons. It's two reasons why you got to have. I'm just about over my time. Can I borrow ten minutes from somebody? Pray. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. It's, it's two reasons why you got to have and be a member of a church. Some, somebody say we need to be a member of a church. All that stuff about my TV pastor and I'll, go, I'll join, I'll, I'll visit this church, visit that church, that is not of God, that's of the devil. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me give you two reasons why. There's many reasons why, but let me give you two reasons why. One of the reasons why you got to have a church and you got to be a member of a church is because if you don't, you will rob God and sin against him. What, what, what do I mean by that, preacher? 
The, the, the Bible says, God, God says, you have robbed me. And what? Tithes and offerings. So one, you need to have a place where you come and sow your tithes. But, but the kind of offering what I'm talking about is the offering where we give our God our sacrifice of praise. Now, now here's what you got to understand about about church. Now, people say, well, I don't have to go to church. I can have church at home. How many of you have heard people say that before? I don't need to go to church. I can have church at home. God understands my heart. No, God understands the covenant of his word that he's taught you. Are you with me so far? So here's what you got to understand what God requires. God requires of us two types of worship. Are you with me? God requires the personal worship, and God requires your covenant worship. Are, are you with me? Now, the, the, the personal worship, you don't need nobody but you and God. That you can do at home. Because David said it this way. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. In other words, I, to, to give God my personal Praise. I can do that by, by, by myself, just me and YouTube and just picking out the right ones. And we can worship God in the living room and, and carry on and have a good time worshiping God. But that's part of what I have to give God. Come on, look at somebody and say, that's only half of God, what God requires. The other praise that God requires is your corporate praise. So David comes back and give the balance of that when he says, first he says, I can give God my personal praise by worshiping God uh, uh, of my own self. He says, but there comes a time when I have to give God my corporate praise. When I give God my corporate praise, David comes back and says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Magnify comes from the word multiply. And if I understand multiply, you got to have more than one number to multiply. So what God is saying is you got to come together to a place, a church, a house of God, and you got to put your praises with somebody else's praises, with somebody else's praises, and we lift up the name of Jesus together, and it magnifies the living God. That you can't do by yourself. That you got to have a church to do. That you got to have a house of God to do. And if you are not doing that, you are a thief robbing God. Come on, tap two people and tell them to quit robbing God. Now, the second thing, the, the second reason why you need to be a member of a church is because when you join a church, you come under the prayer umbrella of that church. Are you with me? Because, see, I, I remember when um, I started, you know, looking for a church. I wasn't looking for a church that's got the, it didn't have to be the biggest church in Birmingham. Uh, the, the pastor didn't have to be able to preach the paint off the walls. I'm looking for some church that not only they can preach the word, but I'm looking for somebody that know how to cover somebody in prayer. Oh, my, 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 my. People go to looking for a church, and they're trying to find some great preacher. No, now we got a great preacher in this house. 
Can I get an amen with that? We got a great pastor in this house. But God is looking for somebody that understands that you got to have a covering. So as pastor is praying, the intercessors are praying, that the members are praying, they present an umbrella of, of covering that with just by you being a member of that church, you come under the umbrella of that church and the devil can't touch you. The Bible says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the umbrella, the umbrella of the Almighty. What does that mean? I'm looking for a church that's got an umbrella. Hallelujah. I'm looking for, I'm not looking for, for, for uh, tuna with good taste. I'm looking for tuna that tastes good. Some of you too young to understand that one right there. I'm looking for a church that's got an umbrella. And when I came here, pastor was praying for me. Pastor came to visit with me. And it wasn't just pastor. As I'm sitting in my seat, different people would come up to me and pray for me. I would come down to the altar. And the people at the altar are praying for me. I said, oh, we got a good umbrella here. Shh. You got a good umbrella. You feel safe in your heart about being a member of that church. Don't just go somewhere where they got a big church and a whole lot of fancy stuff. Find you somebody that's got an umbrella. Oh, come on, touch somebody and tell them we need somewhere that's got an umbrella. My, 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 I know I'm way over my time. My goodness. My, my. Number six, praise the Lord. The sixth thing that you have to understand about a porter is a porter must be able to watch day and night. The porter must be able to watch in the daytime and the nighttime. And what does that mean is that, let let me give you the scripture um, as I'm preparing to close. Turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 1. John 10 and 1. Are you enjoying this? Praise the Lord. Amen. Don't stop playing yet, praise the Lord. I hadn't reached it yet, praise the Lord. John 10 and 1, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And I used to think they were the same thing. And I'm saying, well, God, why, why would you say a thief and a robber? It's because... What we've been talking about in terms of a porter are things that you can see. You can see uh, uh, that God, see, because, because you have oversight, God gives you insight into your spirit to where you're able to see things. You're able to see trouble in your church. He allows you to see trouble in your auxiliary so you can pray for and you can kick the devil out. Are you with me so far? Okay, praise the Lord. So that represents things we can see is the spirit of the robber. Because when a robber comes to rob a bank, he, he comes with a shotgun and he fires a shotgun, bang. This is a stick up. Why? Because he wants you to see that he's there. 
He wants you to see. So he wants to make a, 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 yeah, a grand entrance so that you can know that he's there. So that represents the things you can see. But you got to understand that when it comes down to identify the enemy, you got to be able to watch out for the thief also. Because the robber represents things you can see, but the thief represents things that you cannot see. Let, let me give you another scripture. I'm, 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 I'm getting there. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Acts 16 and 16. My, 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 my God. And it says this. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and, care and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto you the way of salvation. This, this did, I'm sorry, and this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her in the selfsame hour. What am I trying to say? This woman was saying all the right things. You know, these men are men of a most high God. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is you got people that will come to your church. And they know how to compliment you. They know how to say the right things. They know how to puff you up and all this kind of stuff. But sometimes, see, you got to understand that, that we're living in a real world with a real devil. And you got demon groups that will send people into the church for the purpose of seducing the pastor. They'll send people into the church for the purpose of causing chaos in the church. Now, they're saying all the right things, but they're releasing spirits. And, you was, and you're wondering, why in the world all this seemed like they're the nicest? No, no, you got to understand, everything that the devil puts out is not something you can see. Some stuff you got to be able to sense in the spirit. Are you with me so far? You know, it, it's like, um, you know, I was with someone and they was telling me about uh, how to recognize a phony $20 bill. And I said, well, what do y'all do? Y'all study uh, the right grids and colors on the, on the phony $20 bill? They, they said, no, we studied the real money. And we studied the real money so much that when the false comes across, because you can identify so much with the real, you can spot the false right away. What am I trying to say? When you're in tune with God, you may not know what demon spirit it is, but you can spot a spirit when it's not of God. Amen. And number seven, as you stand to your feet with me, number seven is make sure that you are awake while you're on guard duty. A porter is a guard, is a guardsman. Make sure that you are awake. You know, those of you that's been in the military, you, you'll know this to be true. There is nothing in the military that you can get in more trouble with than to fall asleep on guard duty or miss guard duty. I mean, you can, 
You can tell somebody off. You can do the wrong thing. You can miss your job. There is nothing you can get in more trouble for than to either miss or fall asleep on guard duty. And what am I trying to say is we got to wake up, saints of God. We're coming to church having fun. We're coming to church shouting with the praise and worship team as they are leading us. We're coming to church shouting when the pastor is preaching to us. But the truth is we're sleeping. And the devil is just easing in. What's wrong with my home, my marriage, is we're sleeping while the enemy is easing in. While you're standing, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, says this as I'm closing. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. Verse 25, but says, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. What am I trying to say? Saints of God, we have got to get on our duty. Quit letting the devil come into our homes, our families, our churches, and realize I'm in covenant with God. I'm in covenant with the word of God. And I'm going to wake up. Come on, I want you to give three people a high five and tell them it's time to wake up. And get on, get on your post. Tell them it's time to wake up and get on your post. Amen. It's time to wake up and get on your post. Time to wake up and get on your post. Quit sleeping. Allowing the devil. We need to start going through our homes and, 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 and get us some anointed oil. Start casting the devil out of your home. Time to start. When you, when you come to church, don't just come to be a bystander. Pray before you even get here. And then when you get here, pray with your auxiliary. Kick and cast the devil out. Wake up. Come on one time. Shout, wake up. I like that. And the scripture says, as we close, that we open up with 2 Chronicles chapter 23 and 19. It says, and he set porters. Come on, somebody say, I'm a porter. Touch two people and tell them, I'm a porter. Why? See, you can't be a porter until you understand what a porter is. You can't be a porter until you understand the covenant of being a porter. And the responsibilities of being porter. He says, he said, porter, porters at the gates of the house of the Lord. Whatever gate that you are connected to, that's the gate that God has assigned to you to guard. And if we would do our job in guarding the gates instead of sleeping, we can have people getting saved. The church can grow. We can reach our community. We can have peace in our home if we'll just wake up and get on guard. 
Amen.